Hello, and welcome to the Old Soul Archaeology Podcast. My name is Michelle Janae. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Are you ready to dig deep? Hello, and welcome back to Old Soul Archaeology on this episode of Old Soul Sojourn. I am here with Sydney Sloan. Welcome, Sid. Hello, thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely, it's a pleasure. I'm super excited because we met through a mutual friend who I haven't met in person, but she's also a a podcast sojourner, as I like to call them. And this networking and expansion is really exciting. So I just want to let our audience know a little bit about you. According to her bio, Sydney is an animal communicator, artist, intuitive healer, and herbalist. She is passionate about finding that space within ourselves that encourages healing from a spiritual perspective, as well as assisting others heal through ancient healing modalities. She loves being a voice for the animals and helping bridge the conversation from animal to human. Wow. Again, thank you for being here. I cannot wait to dive deep into these topics. So let's start. Gosh, where do we start? They're they're all so exciting. (laughs) Let's start with what the bio ended on. Let's talk about animal communication and how yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that maybe get a sense that you can communicate with your animals, your pets, maybe not so much the wild outdoor type animals, but I believe that's possible too. Tell me oh. about what, how was it that you came across um, the ability to do this and have you always had it? Yeah, uh, I don't think that I, I, I've always had it. I've been very um, drawn to animals my whole entire life. I'm more sensitive to animals, I think, than I am people. <laughs> um, and I have such a, uh, a soft spot for them. Um, it wasn't until I became certified in Reiki where um, I realized that I was actually intuitive, uh, clairvoyant when it comes to working with people. Um, and then through that, I started um, going to intuition development circles um, in Portland, Oregon, and where I met a woman named Taya, and she is a medium and animal communicator. And so I had taken one of her classes on animal communication and it turned out that I am able to intuitively communicate with animals much, much easier. Um, and it, it was just flawless and uh, to the point where I was like, Oh, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) Wow. So what does that, what does that look like? I mean, for, for the lay person who's just coming across this, obviously we know yeah. that humans, we can communicate verbally, although a lot of times <laughs> we hide and our words are veiled. And yeah. with an animal, they don't have this verbal capacity. So how is it that you communicate and how is it that you know and can confirm that what yeah. you're receiving is actually what they need or what they want that's beneficial to them? Yeah, so it's a lot like communicating. uh, It's reading energy, right? And so for like psychic, mediumship kind of readings, it's similar. So it's in, um, I see images through my mind's eye uh, that they give me. I will kind of have like a sense of knowing just 
um, or I'll feel something. Uh, usually that will be like injury or an illness. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they actually communicate with us all the time. In fact, like, I'm sure there's many times where you have maybe looked at your dog and you're like, oh, I th- you need water, you know, and you just don't <laughs> even, and then you look at their water bowl and it's empty, you know, and, <laughs> and you're like, well, well, that is, that's that, you know, they communicate because they're pros at it. They, that's all they do is intuitive communication. And, um, they're just so good at it. We're not right. <laughs> so unless we're in tune to that. Right. Um, yeah. So and I see images, I feel things, I, I will hear things, um, or I'll just have like a clear knowing, um, with them. Yeah. Do you have an example and, of a time specifically where you, you, did this animal communication where and were able to, I guess, diagnose or figure out what they were trying to communicate and then implement whatever help was needed? Um, yes. So, well, this one was a, a mediumship reading. Uh, I was paired up with uh, a woman and she was, uh, showed me a, a photo of her dog that had passed and um, I guess this one isn't like injury or, um, but it, the dog, when I connected and I had an image where the black back legs didn't move, you know, and, um, I'm like, you know, can you stand up? And it's like, I can't stand up. I, I can't use my back legs. And then I felt like an impact and the dog had been hit by a car and the back legs were the hips were, you know, um, so she was able to confirm that that was, you know, how he ended up dying from a, a different, from the injury, but yeah. Right. So, so mm-hmm. that in a sense, just that alone can confirm mm-hmm. yes. your, your gift to be able to mm-hmm. pick up on those energies and without mm-hmm. knowing what the backstory was, which yeah. I think is, I think is really important for people to know if they're working on their intuition and their psychic gifts is to find a yes. way since we're not really educated in that form of communication mm-hmm. is to find a way to practice one, to not give up if yeah. we don't get immediate results. And then to, and then sure. to um, have those validations really cement and speak to us about ongoing gifts. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I first started, you know, I would get so nervous in these circles and practicing with people that, you know, and our ego wants to be right. You know, we, we have this idea of, you know, I have to get this right. Otherwise I'm not doing this correctly. Right. Well, ego can actually keep you from getting it correct because you're so worried about it. And I have found that when you just kind of throw it up in the air and you're just like, you know what, I'm just playing, you know, and take, take the, weight off of being correct. And it's how much easier it flows. And, um, yeah, so it's, I got a lot wrong in the beginning, you know, until, (laughs) um, you know, my friend was like, you've got to stop being so tough on yourself. You know, this is spirit plays. They don't, it's not a test, you know, so get the ego out of it. Right. That's a, it's a good Mm -hmm. point, you know, that we can block our own flow and that in essence keeps us our second guessing actually drives the the wrong answers. But one thing that I've found working with imagery with my clients is that 
the imagination is incredible. And unfortunately we've dismissed it, but mm -hmm. the more we can play, like you said, mm -hmm. the more we can imagine and the more that we can actually open ourselves up to the reality beyond reality, mm -hmm. right? And I know there's a lot of people that say, okay, so what if it is your imagination, but if it mm -hmm. helps, Mm -hmm. what's the problem? And I, I really embrace that because I think we're so stuck in what's supposed to be that we often get in the way of our own healing and the healing of others in communication. So I can really appreciate that perspective. Yeah. Now, I know that you you are also an herbalist and you, you have this beautiful farm. I've seen pictures on Instagram <laughs> and the, what was it, little, um, was it pigs I saw? On Instagram oh yeah, we have yeah. yeah, we have three pigs. <laughs> we They're have a wolf. so cute. A wolf, wow. <laughs> yes, yeah, we have a gray wolf, a uh, timber wolf, yeah, and uh, and a pit bull. <laughs> so, Beautiful. <laughs> so you do you do this herbalist work from your farm, mm -hmm. and then you also have your yeah. farm animals. Mm -hmm. Do you have any examples of ways that you've communicated with? I mean, you probably do it all the time without even knowing. Mm -hmm. It's probably second nature. But how do you communicate yeah. with the animals on your farm? Yeah. So um, interesting that, you know, communication with your own animals is a little bit difficult because we're so emotionally mm. uh, charged okay, with them, good, right? Good point. Um, yeah. Uh, so you know, it, it does take me a little bit longer to, um, to connect. I, there was a, a situation where we had a chicken and, um, she became ill and, uh, oh gosh. And I'm so, I'm so sensitive. Right. So, <laughs> and I thought it was heat stroke at first. And that was just my mind. I hadn't sat with her or anything. And, um, but, uh, and so I packed her with ice and everything. And, and, uh, but we had ultimately, we had to make the decision. And when I had sat there and I uh, finally meditated with her and I tapped in, um, I saw that there was an egg that was stuck, oh, no. you know, like she couldn't pass. And I, I didn't even know what this was. And so I, uh, Caleb had, you know, taken it taken her. And, um, he said when he got, got back that, yeah, that she actually had, um, an egg stuck, you know, that she wasn't able to pass. And then later we found out that that it's called egg bound and oh. it can kill them. Um, so it was, it, yeah, I wished that I would have sat with her sooner, you know, when I first, um, but you know, it, it's just one of those things where with our own animals, it's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and it's a process too. And I think, um, mm -hmm. I think one of the misconceptions of healing is yes. that it always means a cure mm -hmm. and it doesn't. And yeah. I imagine that in many ways you healed her just by sitting with her in the sense that yeah. maybe you made it easier for her to, yeah. you know, to, to transition. And, you know, I really don't, I don't pretend to know what animals think and, and sure. <laughs> where they go after this life. Although I don't, sure. um, I don't think they're nothingness, you know, they're, their mm -mm. energy just like we are. And so I can't yes. believe that they just go into the ground mm -hmm. and then that's, that's that. So, um, and they are sentient beings, which means they mm -hmm. feel. Mm -hmm. So I, yes. I can imagine that that in and of itself was very healing that you did sit with her. So yeah. um, as hard as it is to lose an animal, mm -hmm. 
I yeah. think we have to also know that it's part of the process of life and that your healing yes. was very present, yeah. just in a different way than we might have wanted it to see. Sure. Yeah. We know that through, right. through Reiki, right? Are you a Reiki yes. master? Um, no, I, I, I wanted to, but yes, I, okay. I plan on doing master hopefully Perfect. soon. <laughs> yeah. I just got my Reiki master and it's amazing. That's, yeah. 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 Um, but we know with Reiki too, it's for the greatest and highest good. It goes where it needs sure. to. And sometimes we yeah. as humans, especially if our ego is in the way, don't know what that is. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. So as an herbalist, tell mm. me a little bit about what you do. Um, what got you into herbalism? How do you, I mean, I don't know one plant from the other and and yet we have such an abundance, especially here in mm -hmm. Arkansas, the natural state. I've, yeah. I can walk out and see all kinds of things that I think I should have put into my dehydrator. Right. Tell me what, yeah. what your experience as an herbalist is and where that came from. Well, just, you know, going down the healing uh, route, you know, it, it was one of those things where um, during COVID, I had lost my job for a couple of months and I realized I was just like, you know, what, what would I do? And I'm so, um, I'm just so into trying to heal and I'm not, I, yes, I, I believe in obviously Western medicine and I, I think there's a place for it and everything, but I think like to heal the person as a holistic, you know, um, what's actually going on deeper with a person and how can we gently, you know, start healing that part and with herbs, um, you know, they're, they're way more gentle than pharmaceuticals and they build up in the system. So they slowly repair, um, uh, you know, our, our system. And I, I've always been interested in it. And I think during the shutdown, you know, I was a actually able to study more. And yeah, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to get a certification in this and then going around, you know, just looking at all the different plants and like looking them up and what their constituents are and what they do for the body. And it's amazing how many healers just grow in your yard, you know, mm -hmm. and giving you a sense of what you need to heal in your body based on what mother nature provides, you know, um, like for instance, in my, in our farm, <laughs> I have a lot for, um, nervous system, um, mm -hmm. which I have a lot of like nervous energy. Right. Um, and then, uh, allergy stuff, you know, I have perilla growing, which is like helps the lungs and allergies. And, um, I have, you know, seasonal asthma and, you know, things like that. So, and it grows in abundance. So I'm like, okay, I hear you loud and clear, you know? Yeah. And, so are you um, making tinctures or mm -hmm. what is the primary delivery system for, for a good plant? Yeah. So I, I mean, and it really depends on the plant, you know, uh, like licorice root, for example, you would want to use that in a tea, like a boiled, you know, um, decoction for, you know, 20 minutes. And, um, because it has uh, mucilage in it, which is water soluble. Um, so the tinctures I use, um, for, plants that have water soluble properties and mm. also alcohol soluble properties. Um, so it's able to pull out the entire profile of the plant for healing purposes. And tea is great, right? 
but we're only pulling out the water properties of a certain plant, you know? Um, so I think in certain plants, you know, tinctures are best, but in root plants and plants with, um, mucilage, you know, um, and like sugars and things like that, um, tea is better, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it really just kind of depends on, yeah, the plant and, um, yeah. So I'm still learning a lot. I, I'm taking now advanced master herbalism. So, uh, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. Just keep uh, learning. Uh, well, it's a lifetime, right? It really, <laughs> right. really, um, is amazing to me that people ever stop learning or they, they choose to stop. It's like, you know, Oh, yeah. I graduated, I'm done. Right. And, and unfortunately yeah. that's a model we're given. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's amazing. I'm, I'm, yeah autodidactic. So I'm highly self-taught in most areas. School didn't feed the need. I was always bored. It was like, you're going too slow. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Plus there was a, there was an issue with my desire for personalized attention. So whether that was some kind of selfish need or just a a desire to interact, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and get feedback, which is really important and to be, I think, nurtured in a way that is personalized, which we don't get in our education system today. So I I pretty much left um, community college. I didn't graduate with any kind of degree, but I have, you know, probably have MBAs and PhDs in (laughs) in the stuff I've taught myself. And whether people wanna take that as valid or not, actually, I think that model is changing. I think think that we're we're finding, just like now we can work at home. How many people Mm -hmm. are now working at home successfully? I read the other day that New York City is a ghost town because they yeah. really found why pay all this high rent mm, to yeah. to keep people in this structured box mm-hmm. when we can mm-hmm. have them work at home. Um, so I think school and the idea of letters behind your name is actually mm-hmm. changing as well. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yes, yes. I have a better story about uh, animal communication, if yeah, you want to like absolutely. edit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, uh, my mom had this horse named Bo and, uh, my mom is not, she, she, she kind of thinks I'm crazy with all the stuff that I'm into, right. And growing up in a very, <laughs> uh, religious background, scary religion, you know, yeah, um, been there, done and, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and so she's, she thinks I'm wacky. But uh, we were out at her house and there was the, her horse, Bo. He was starting to get really skinny. And I just really insisted on feeding him. I, I was like, you know, he needs weight gainer stuff. Like, and um, I was like, he's just not getting enough nutrients. And um, so I gave him the bucket of food and he was just mowing down on it. And then all of a sudden he stops and he looks up around and he had his ears perked and my mom was like oh you know what do you hear Bo and all of a sudden I can feel Bo choking and I'm like mom I was like he is choking and she goes no he's not he's just listening for something and I'm like no no he's choking and then all of a sudden yeah he starts throwing himself on the ground and he's making these crazy noises And my mom is like, what is going on with him? And she just doesn't believe me. So she gets a hold of the vet 
and she tells the vet what's happening. And he's like, uh, he's choking. You have to help him. Like, and, you know, and of course I know nothing about horses. I just had this connection with Bo and, um, yeah, they were, um, saying put, you know, the hose down his throat and let it kind of come up because horses can't regurgitate. Right. So, um, yeah. And she was like, how did you know that? And I was like, I can feel it. Like I can feel him, you know? And, um, yeah. So still doesn't believe me though. (laughs) No, but the seed is planted, (laughs) which is important. I have, I have had experiences like that with my mom too. And still, yeah, yeah. It's kind of the same still, but <laughs> seeds are planted. And I think, yeah. um, you know, when they're ready, they'll bloom. It's not our decision yeah. to, no. <laughs> to push the river, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. I mean, it sounds yeah. like you literally saved Bo's life. Yeah. Yeah. We got six more months out of him, but yeah. Oh, well, yeah. it's, it's six yeah. months that your mom yeah. was able to. Sure. I mean, and whether she realizes it or not, I'm sure that Bo provided her with a lot of support Mm. and healing as we know animals do. I mean, we look at equine therapy and dolphin therapy and all of these things Mm -hmm. that are somewhat more mainstream, but we still don't talk about Mm -hmm. the why and the how, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask this question. I'm going to put my vulnerability on the line here because Mm -hmm. I I have a hard time Mm -hmm. with pets. Yes, And I think that a lot of it was how I grew up. My, my most favorite doll in the world, Raggedy Ann, was mm. torn to shreds by a cat. <laughs> and so subsequently, I didn't want to have anything to do with cats. Right. And I, we also had dogs. And mostly they were outside dogs. So when we got a dog, I wanted, I wanted the dog to be outside. And mm. um, because that's kind of how the environment I was raised in. But this particular sure. dog that I'm talking about was named happy black lab Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, it was a family dog. I don't remember being particularly connected, but I don't remember being disconnected either, but, Mm -hmm. um, we had to put the dog down due to Mm -hmm. cancer. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time I had ever seen my dad cry. Mm -hmm. And I had seen him cry since going through my parents, going through the divorce and things like that, but it was different. Mm -hmm. This was, and it's funny because years later, my Mm -hmm. husband says to me that, your dad wasn't crying over the dog. He was, mm. but he wasn't. It mm-hmm. was so much more than that, right? It was this mm-hmm. dog that allowed him to enter into a place where he could maybe grieve the war or grieve mm-hmm. um, all of these things. And, you know, whether it provided healing to him or not, mm. I can't, I can't say. Right. But I've had a hard time with my own animals. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's that I don't want to connect or, or, or what the block is. It's not that I wish I have a dog right now. She's a yellow lab. She has a deformed face because she was bit by another dog when she was little before Mm -hmm. we got her. And, um, she's just a little bit different. She's actually pretty calm. She's a decent dog, but there are just certain things I don't connect with. Do you Mm. have any, um, advice? Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. I think, you know, there are, there's two types of people in the world, right? There's the people who are very um, into uh, children and, and other, and other people, right? And then there are people who are extremely sensitive to animals and more of that kind of nature. Um, I, 
I feel though animals are the ultimate heartbreakers, right? You know, and I think, you know, like when you were telling me in my head, I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, your childhood dog wasn't for you. It was for someone else in your family and your dad being that person. Right. Yeah. And so I, I believe animals, they come in as teachers, right? Um, so they teach us if they're a hard case, they're going to teach us, you know, <laughs> patience and, um, you know, things like that. I think, and I think I said this before to you, I think that um, when this current dog passes, um, I think you're really going to realize how much you actually were connected to her um, because she is there. Um, I, I can feel it. Like she is there for you um, specifically. And, um, but I think that you don't, um, oh gosh, see, now I'm going into a reading. <laughs> I feel that you, you kind of have, you know, animals tell on their people also. So like when I'm doing yeah. a reading with animals, they're going to tell on their people. Right. <laughs> so, um, but you know, you kind of have like a little bit of a wall up. You don't want to feel, I'm sorry. I got <laughs> you don't want to necessarily feel the hard stuff, you know? Yeah. And so there is like this, um, kind of, and she says, you know, um, uh, I'm kind of the buffer. I don't know. So <laughs> yeah. So she's saying that you, you kind of distance yourself from the gushy, emotional, ooey gooey stuff. Right. And so, um, but she is, emotional ooey gooey like she's a love bug right would I yeah. be right <laughs> yeah so yeah. um yeah I think uh and and your dad specifically you know there there's just the soul connection and so I think that with um happy you know he was able to be himself around her yeah. you know when yeah. he probably hid certain aspects around other people. And I think with, with our animals, um, they give us that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I, I just, you know, I don't know if, you know, that's just something you'll have to, um, you know, it's so funny because like, I will cry if I accidentally step on a spider. Right. And other people are like, I don't even think twice about stuff, spiders, <laughs> you know? And I think it's just one of those things where, um, it's the ultimate vulnerability. And, um, when we don't want to be ultimately vulnerable yeah. or feel those hard things, you know, we put those walls up just a little bit, even though it, it, it seems to protect us, but it also keeps us from feeling sure, fully. Sure. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Those are all really good reminders. And, you know, I did, I did do a little bit of Reiki for her the other day. And I think, ah. I think that will help me as much yeah. as it will help her. She's um, actually, I think nine years old now. We think she's mm. got some, she's at least got some fatty tumors, if not some, okay. some other um, issues going on, but yeah, I mean, she's been she's been faithful, and mm. uh, I can recognize that. So I'll I'll keep working on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we're all we all work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It yeah. Took me years to just let the walls down, and I, I you know, it's just continually <laughs> something you work on. Yeah, and I think it's a good example too of you know we do the same thing with people. We yes. we put walls up. We do the same thing with mm -hmm. nature in general put the mm -hmm. walls up. Don't. Yeah. And I, it, 
I know in my head all of these things that you said, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but really to let it into my heart. And I think right. I did a little bit because of, yeah. you know, whatever energy you're transmitting and whatever my receptivity for being vulnerable is. But right. yeah, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that on the podcast because I didn't mean to take you into a reading, but I think it's also really good uh, for our listeners to know what a, a reading kind of looks like. It's obviously that wasn't the full experience, sure. um, but being able to understand the intuitive nature that we all have, but some of us have more developed and to see your work specifically, you know, you just interfaced mm -hmm. between not only my pet speaking to mm -hmm. the animal, but also with my energy as well. So yeah. um, that's really important. Mm -hmm. And we'll let all of our listeners know where they can follow you, find you, contact you at the end of the podcast. But um, it really meant a lot to me. Thank oh, you. Good. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. Yeah. We kind of covered two birds with one stone there because I think yeah. that really gave us insight into the intuitive nature. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned that you, you've really always been intuitive, but you were raised mm -hmm. in a strict religious home. How did you deal mm -hmm. with that growing up? You, I see on your, your art website, which we'll get into just in a minute. I want to talk about mm -hmm. your art, but yeah. you're the second oldest of seven children. Are you the first mm -hmm. girl or are you the second... Yeah. So, um, it's collective. I grew up with, uh, only three siblings. And then when I was in my thirties, I found my biological father and okay. he, I have three siblings there also. Um, yes, but I am the oldest girl. And when I was growing up, I was the oldest in my immediate family. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you deal with these intuitive gifts that, you know, I think you've said you, you, recognized from an early age, but being in the midst of this strict religious upbringing, did you turn from it at any point? Or were you always able to keep that thread of connection? What was that like for you growing up? I, so, um, my mother, it's hard to say, uh, it's, it's not, it wasn't so much strict. It was more like, um, fire and brimstone kind of stuff like um <laughs> that's kind I, of strict in my yeah, mind yeah right yeah but it was uh, it was more like fear yeah. uh, a lot mm -hmm. of fear uh and so when I was little I would um I used to call in my movies I would lay in bed at night and I would stare at the wall and in my mind's eye I would see these movies play out I didn't realize until my 30s that that's clairvoyance right and mm -hmm. um and I didn't no. And, uh, but in that moment between falling asleep and being awake, I would see, um, like apparitions or entities in 3d form. And so, you know, being young, I would tell my mom and be like, mom, you know, there was a person standing, you know, at, at the end of my bed and she, Oh, that's the devil. That's, you know, and yeah. so, then I became a severe insomniac um, because Ooh. I didn't want the devil to contact me. Sure. And um, so I would stay awake until the sun came up and I would only sleep for like three hours. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Until my thirties. <laughs> yeah. I lost my brother 15 years ago. And I think that's when I decided to step away from religion as a whole 
because I had gone to a preacher right after he had passed away. He was in a car, car crash and, um, he was 19 and he smoked and he drank and he lived with his girlfriend and, you know, and growing up, those were all sins. Right. And, um, but my brother was the sweetest soul. He, I remember one time he hit a raccoon and he felt so awful. He wrapped it up in a blanket and brought it home and carried that thing back to life and it attacked him and he cried and he was like, why did you attack me? Um, and so when I went to the preacher and he said, well, you know, if he didn't ask for forgiveness in his last breath, he probably didn't make it to heaven. And I just could not accept it. I, I said, thank you for your honesty, but I can't. And that's when I started researching different religions. And that's when I really started kind of diving into almost like uh, Buddhism type, you know, uh, more uh, Eastern philosophies also, you know, and so, um, and then I just became really just incredibly, I took all the walls down and I was like, you know, why be in a religion when mm-hmm. it's so much bigger than that, you know, and we have the ability to talk to God or the universe or the, you know, all knowing consciousness, you know, so mm-hmm. why have, a middleman when you can do it yourself, you know? And, um, and then when I lost a friend of mine six years ago, uh, she came to me three days later in a dream and told me things about her husband and about her children that nobody knew. And I was able to get validation from them. And that's when I really started diving deep. And I was like, you know what, I'm ready to just face these spirits that stare at me at night because they still do like in that moment of asleep and awake, you know, I see people in 3d, you know, in my, in my room. And now I'm just like, Oh gosh, you know, I'm just, I'm in that veil moment where it's like, I'm not quite here, but not quite there, you know, and it doesn't scare me now. And I know what it actually is you know, and I think taking the fear out of it taking the walls off, you know, and being like, well, I'm a spiritual being and I'm connecting to the spiritual side. And, you know, when I was born, I guess I, I I don't think my door closed all the way. Right. (laughs) You know, you have you people that feel nothing and don't, don't believe in this at all. It's interesting that you say that, that, you know, I don't know, I mean, it would appear that they feel mm-hmm. nothing, but I just can't imagine yeah, that I there's know. not some little <laughs> pokey right. poke. I know. I yeah. mean, I was probably one of those people. I think yeah. I was one of those people that, oh my gosh, I was raised too and everything's mm-hmm. a sin unless yes. it's, you know, what the, the priest or the pastor says. Right. And I went through uh, my, my whole life, my first 40 years, I'm almost 50. I'm, I just turned 48 this year. The first 40 years was a search for something bigger. And I actually kept going deeper into the dogma and the mind control through Catholicism into Mormonism, into born again, Mm. Christianity. And I realized Mm. that the born again thing is amazing, but it's not about the dogma of Christianity. It's about Mm. this spirit. And Mm. I really think too, that that's when we finally realized we're not just a body, 
that we right. can reconnect to source and that's really our essence that's the born again part so yeah. i can totally relate to you on that level and i think it's yeah. really important um that people understand i i i don't now i don't understand why people get so hung up on these principles that are all inclusive and they're loving oh but that's not you know i didn't come from here so it's not <laughs> right. you know and yet i was one of those people sure. yeah. so yeah i think i think that it, probably for me it probably appeared as if the door was entirely closed but i know i know yeah. now it wasn't right because i was yeah. still hungry it was still searching mm -hmm. and now my search is more holistic it's not this mm -hmm ravenous starvation it's a healthy hunger mm -hmm. right yeah yeah so good yeah. well we've only got a few minutes left and i do want to yeah. touch on your art so okay. i'm i'm at your website here wow what a beautiful image this is it looks like a, a little girl with a teddy bear and she has mm -hmm. a mask on and she's mm -hmm. talking to a crow who is holding is it a ring mm -hmm. or a mirror it's a uh it's a clock actually oh, clock. Uh, okay like i see a, yeah. the numbers mm -hmm. now yeah. <laughs> wow. It's beautiful. I want to yeah, just read a little bit because, um, yeah. just your, your about me is so, uh, resonant with mm. your spirituality and the power of art. And, um, mm. Sydney says, mm. I believe there is magic in art. When I was a child, I found myself drawn to its mystique. Oh, I love that. Mm. It has always amazed <laughs> me how a mere thought form can manifest into something tangible or visual that isn't only beautiful, but also invokes an emotional response within us. I mean, you should have written the dictionary definition of art right there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it you. looks, um, you had this experience in 2005, uh, you mm. talked about your brother, you used art to heal. Yes. And you make these amazing, it looks like rock and wood sculptures. Mm-hmm yeah that are faces and i just it just reminds me so much of um just a, a talisman or a, a like a spirit friend in a physical form almost like a, mm -hmm. there's a a terminology i think in from the peruvian shamans that's called waka h-u-a-c-a ah. -H -A, and it's a sacred object that doesn't you don't really choose but it chooses you for healing mm -hmm. and your art comes across that way in in a spiritual sense to me like if I were to go look through your website and wait for whatever face or, or piece of art to choose me, that could become something that is a, a totem or a talisman that also connects me with the spiritual. Oh, your bees are amazing too. They're so cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm at Sid Sloan Art, S-Y-D-S-L-O-A-N-A-R-T.com. Um, it's a fabulous website. So tell me a little bit about your your art from uh, a healing and spiritual perspective. Yeah. Um, so it just comes from nowhere. And I'm very drawn to surrealism and, you know, things like that. So uh, as far as like the sculptures went, uh, that's something I only started doing two years ago. Um, I, I was just outside meditating one day and I looked at a tree and I saw a face in it and it was this old man and I was talking to this tree and I and he was telling me his story and how he's lived in this space for a hundred years and how he has seen so many people come and go and they don't 
talk to him. And, you know, and it was just, I know. And so I was living in Oregon at the time and I went to the beach and I found all this driftwood and, and I would ask it, you know, do you want to become, you know, do you want to come forward? I guess, you know, and I just gathered the ones that spoke and, and I never know what they're going to look like right before. And then it's like they introduce themselves and then they have a whole story, you know, and um, yeah. And, and the paintings, you know, those are just, um, they just come out, you know, and again, I never know what I'm going to do. I just kind of just do. And it's so healing art in any form is so healing. And I highly recommend it because you would be so I mean, you know, you're an artist, but you know, people who aren't, they would be so incredibly um, surprised at how much emotion they can get out without, Mm -hmm. you know, even things that they didn't know. Right. And realizing that creativity Mm -hmm. doesn't look a certain way. It doesn't. And I think a lot of, a lot of our ideas about creativity Mm -hmm. are are that, Mm -hmm. you know, well, it has to look a certain way. It has to look real, like realism, which Mm -hmm. was always where I was stuck. Um, yeah. But then even looking at, you know, some of the the more abstract and the cubism and the uh, those things like that, we can we can play that same trick on ourselves by going, oh, well, I could never do that. When it's not right. even about doing that, it's about doing you. Mm-hmm. Right, right. <laughs> I don't agree that anybody doesn't, you know, isn't creative, but I know yeah. that they they'll throw that up there to block, for whatever reason, their own healing. Maybe it's a vulnerability thing, too. Yeah. So... Um, very cool. I just get this idea of your, your trees and the, and who they're becoming as, uh, Michelangelo's David. Oh yeah. You know, he, he said, it, I just chipped away until what was already there came out. Yes. Perfect. So. Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah. Sure. You are a Michelangelo. Now actually you're a oh, Sydney right. Sloan. <laughs> yes. Even better. There's this other quote by Salvador Dali too. He says, Mm. you know, I wake up in the morning and I say to myself, I am Salvador Dali. What amazing things am I going to create today? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) We could dive so much deeper. And I know we will. I would love to have you back on the podcast. But for now, let's go ahead and wrap things up by telling people where they can find you. I know you're on Instagram and you have a website. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're soon going to be launching the farm website that has the healing and intuition um, stuff, animal communication. Um, and that is at sacredhollowfarm.com. And then uh, my website for artwork is sidsloanart.com. And then on Instagram, I've got sidsloanart uh, and also Sacred Hollow Farm. And then I actually have an intu- intuition one. <laughs> I have so many. <laughs> Sacred hollow space. <laughs> Guil- guilty is charged. I'm, I'm the same. So it's okay. How do we keep up? <laughs> we, we are Renaissance women. 
we are yeah. polymaths we do it all yeah. and we don't have to specify or specialize we can we can do whatever we want and do it well so yeah, yeah <laughs> I, cool. I do want to say on instagram it is sacred underscore hollow underscore underscore space and sacred yes. underscore hollow underscore farm um, yes for now so um we'll have some links in the podcast post on my website oldsoularchaeology.com again thank you so much yeah, sid for being you. with me here today and i uh, hope you'll be back yes i would love it thank you so much for having me you are welcome thank you for being here my name is michelle janae and this is old soul sojourn by old soul archaeology and until next time dig deep <laughs> <laughs>